Well, it's a privilege to be able to introduce you, Jason, this morning. And we appreciate him, his heart, and uh, what God is doing through him with the CEF. Jason, you want to come up and take your time to share with us? Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. <coughs> and uh, we're excited to see what the Lord is doing, how he's working. And pray that we can be a source of encouragement to you this morning. If you would turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Since I've been with you last, I have acquired old man's biases. <laughs> Be able to read, but that's okay. It's a reminder to me. He's the other one, man. Both fact, side. I'm getting older, and that's a good thing to be reminded of because mm -hmm. we only have one life, right? Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. So, if you would turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 22. And uh, before we uh, get into the word, just give you a quick update on Ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Thank you all so much for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of the ministry. We could not do the ministry without you. So we praise the Lord for what he is doing in and through you. You're part of the ministry. Wow. We've had a wonderful year, very full year. We've had the opportunity to share the gospel like almost 8,000 people this year. Very close to 8,000. And I would not be surprised at all. By the end of the year, we get 3,000 people. So that is double what we normally share the gospel with. And a big part of that, about 4,000, 4,500 of that, is uh, due to our overseas missions trip to Uganda that we are able to have this year. We were able to go in partnership with Calvary Chapel of Asheville. Uh, so that was kind of a, a very unique experience. We got to go with uh, one of Mont's young men, uh, Nathan. He was able to come with us. And we had a wonderful time of sharing the gospel and just uh, ministering. And, and uh, you know, Joshua likes to share the story of um, the young man that he shared the gospel with. And he just could, would continually come back and say, I want to hear more about God's word. I want to read more from God's word. And the growth that he saw in this young man as he got to lead him to the Lord. But then he also got to help him grow in his walk with the Lord. That's what it's all about is making disciples. And so we had that. We also had some, some other wonderful uh, fellowship. There are about 500 children in this particular orphanage uh, slash school that we were a part of. And we were able to share the gospel with them. We were able to teach them how to use the wordless book. We trained over 100 of them how to use the wordless book. And then we went out to a soccer uh, outreach and in the soccer outreach, they had the opportunity of sharing the gospel. Now we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't make any of them, and they were a little bit reluctant to share the gospel. The uh, the, the the African Americans that were there, but there were a few that went and shared the gospel. I remember one young man by the name of Brave that came over, and he said he brought another young man with me, and he said, Mister Jason. I just led this young man to the Lord. And that was wonderful. That's what we really want to see. Not only are we sharing the gospel with others, but we're teaching others to share the gospel. And that's what true fruit is. When we see someone coming to the Lord, and then they turn around and they lead someone else to the Lord. 
true fellowship, true discipleship, true fruit from God and from his word. And um, had the privilege of, of uh, working with them. One of the things that I was excited about was that although the African-American young people, there weren't too many of them that went out and shared their faith with the soccer, I had no problem with uh, Joshua and Daniel and Nathan and Elijah when it was time to go share the gospel. When we hit the ground, I didn't have to say a word to any of them. Hmm. They just went and shared the gospel. The little wordless book or Bibles, whatever they had. And Nathan, uh, Nathan Boone, Mont's son, actually memorized several of the scriptures, or the key scriptures in the native language and was able to share those with the African Americans. He did a wonderful job of sharing the gospel with them. They all did, they all did an exceptional job. And when we were back here in the States, we went to a, a little church and we had a, a five-day club and it was the last night we hadn't really seen that many, if any, come to know Christ. But the very last night, uh, Nathan was, was there and he was a part of it. And uh, he noticed a young man. There really wasn't a whole lot of time for uh, uh, the uh, uh, counseling. And he noticed a young man that, that, that was interested in what was being said. And he, so he came over to him and he said, do you have questions about what's going on? Do you have questions about how to trust Christ? And through the course of the conversation, he led this young man to the Lord, built more uh, church of God, was the name of the church. And so he led this young man to the Lord. And then uh, uh, Pat uh, and Randy Hall invited him to become a part of their youth group. And so they came, was a part of their youth group. And he said, do you have anyone else? He said, I've got these friends in my apartment complex. Can I invite them to be a part of the youth group? And so now they have five or six from that that is fruit when we get to lead someone to Christ, they turn around and lead someone else to Christ. That is how the body grows. So we're seeing a lot of growth, and we are excited about that. Hunt and Nancy are doing very well. Nancy has lost what 50, 60 pounds in the diet that she's on. She's looking very, very well. Uh, so pray for her. It's neat to see she she was she was kind of stepping back a little bit from the ministry, and, and as a result of losing weight, she said, "You know what? I think I can hang in there a little bit, a little bit longer, and work a little bit more." So we praise the Lord for that. As we grow, at the beginning of this year, we had eleven after school good news clubs. We now have eighteen. Just recently, the two clubs that we started up were, uh, for Bart Elementary, I think was one of them. Black Mountain Primary and Black Mountain Elementary. Black Mountain Primary and Black Mountain uh, uh, Primary and Black Mountain Elementary are right next to each other. They're side by side. You can literally walk from one to the other. And they both have an after-school good news club. Uh, pray for the one. The one has uh, one child that came to the club. <laughs> so if you say, our club is small. That's hey, a start. That's a start. Exactly. It's a start. And then Black Mountain, I think it was elementary. I think the two mixed up. But one of them said, said to me, one of the leaders of the group said, I remember as a child coming to this school and they had Bible studies in this school many years ago. He says, I'm so excited. I get to bring the Bible back into the public school. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for going. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yes. I'm interested in Brevard Elementary. 
All right, let me let me get back to you on that one. Okay, yeah, I right. think that was one. If not, I know Brevard Elementary is definitely a target uh, school that we have. So either way, we'll, we'll work that out. Mm -hmm. uh, Nancy is actually the best one to come to about all the specifics of that. So, okay. but 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 I'll we'll definitely touch touch base again. Another thing before I before I forget, um, uh, we brought CDs of Angela's singing. Mm -hmm. So if anybody is interested in those, you can take them for a donation of a million dollars to the Ministry of Child <laughs> No, they are free. We want to just give them to you as a gift. And so they're up here. Please make sure to take take. Uh, as many as you can use. So the Gospel of Luke, let's go ahead and, and commit our time to the Lord as we look into his word. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Daddy, we thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, we pray this morning for the spirit of God to move upon people of God. Lord, we thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And Lord, this morning, I just want to be an encouragement. I just want to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I pray as we look into your word, Lord, you would bless me and you would bless them. Cause your face to shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is chapter 22, and we're going to start with verse 21. And before I read the passage uh, before us, I'm, I'm going to share with you um kind of give you a little overview of what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to ask you the question, um, have you ever felt like a wounded warrior? Have you ever felt like a wounded person? Perhaps it was a circumstance in your life. Perhaps it was by a particular individual. Perhaps it was from the world. Perhaps it was from a Christian. Perhaps it was from a family member. Have you ever felt wounded? Have you ever felt hurt? You know, when I came in and sit in the back, Mark said, oh, look, 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 they've got the, the armor of God. I've got that same thing in my right. office. And sometimes, you know, we get into a battle and you get hurt when you're in battle. And that's why God's given us the armor of God. But this morning, I'm not going to be talking about the armor of God. I'm going to be talking about a wounded warrior. And what should we do? Those of us that have come out of the battle and we're over it. Well, you know what? None of us are out of battle. Until we get to heaven, we're still in the battle. And sometimes it gets a little hairy. Sometimes it gets a little grueling. And so today, I want to look at Peter. Not this one. Not, that, not Peter. <laughs> not Peter. But the Peter in the Bible. As he goes through a tremendous struggle, we can all identify, I believe, with Peter in the Bible. I know I have identified with him. I've mentioned to you before, my second name is Peter. You don't see that, you know, everywhere, but that's my second name. So every time I read Peter in the Bible, I think, Jason, he's speaking to Jason, he's speaking to me. And that's the way we should read the Word of God. We should read it. It's living. It's active. And so in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, we're going to start with verse 21. But look, the hand of the one that betrays me is at the table with me. One betrayed me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away. As it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves, which one of them could it be who was going to do this? Which one was going to betray the Lord Jesus? Then a dispute arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. So quickly, 
It turns from who's going to portray the Lord Jesus to which one's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Totally forgetting about what the Lord Jesus said about maturing. Let's focus on who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. We're going to skip a few verses and we're going to go down to um, verse 31. Verse 31 of the same chapter. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, mm -hmm. I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Mm -hmm. He was confident. Mm -hmm. I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now the first step in falling is saying yes. The first step in losing it is to think that you, that I, am adequate to the task that is set before me. You would turn to a very familiar passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 and 13. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except that which is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So whoever thinks he stands, take heed, the King James says, lest he fall. So if you think, okay, I got this. I'm strong enough. That's what Peter said. Lord, I'm willing to go with you to prison. Lord, I'm willing to die with you. Just forget it. You've got lost the battle because you are trying to find the sufficiency in yourself. Back to Luke. Actually, no, um, that's not the next passage. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before the fall. Pride goes before the fall. And might would be the fall of Peter. Make sure to keep your finger back in the Gospel of Luke 22. We're going to be going back there uh, quite often. Uh, Luke chapter 22, we're going to pick up. We're going to announce to read verse 34. Luke 22, 34. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know. You see, Jesus knows, doesn't he? He knows you. He knows me. He knows our hearts. It has been well said that we don't know what we would do if we were faced with the choice deny Christ or not. We have not been put in that situation. It's very dangerous to think, well, I'm give up. Yeah, yeah. I pick up arms for Christ. I kill for Christ. Wait a minute. Kill for Christ? <laughs> That's what the Muslims do. So Hamas is doing. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's easier to pick up a gun 
you kill someone thinking it's the name of Christ than to lay down your life and say, no, 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 no. I'll put down my gun. You shoot me. And that's what Christ asks us to do. To lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. And so we see Peter here and we ask the question, well, who was Peter? Well, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was a leader of the early church. He was a healer. But yet he denied Christ. Can you think of anybody in the modern Christian world who denied Christ, either with their words or with their actions? Yes. Immediately. In fact, you don't have, it only, it only took me about a minute to think of three prominent individuals that took a very serious fall. Jim Baker went to prison. He was sentenced for 40 years, 24 counts of fraudulency in his ministry. And by the way, he's back on TV now. Go look him up if you want to. There was another fellow who I actually met by the name of Bill Gothard. IBLP International Basic Life Principles. Mm -hmm. I was in that organization for 13 years. My parents both, they raised me. I was raised in that organization. In fact, IBLP, we changed that, that little quote to I'm Bill's little pal. <laughs> there were some people in IBLP that would actually comb their hair just like Bill Gotham. And they tried to mimic him in everything that they did. And unfortunately, the organization itself kicked Bill Gothard out. Now, I'm not saying that there are not good people in that organization, wonderful people in that organization. My wife and I both were, were in that, we both still know people who are in that, but Bill Gothard himself took fall. Otherwise, they would not have kept kicked him out. And then there's another fellow, Robbie Zacharias, who I'm not sure is a believer. Although he had some wonderful messages, some that I would sit and listen to and say, wow, that guy was eloquent. That guy really knew how to preach. But guess what? It's not about who we are up here in the pulpit. It's who we are behind closed doors. It's not about the public life of an individual. It's about the private of the individual. And Peter was saying, hey, I can do this. I can handle this. I'm good. Robbie Zacharias, one of the things, as I, I was doing a little bit of research, you don't have to dig too much to, to, to be disgusted. But one of the things he said to one of the women that he abused was, if you tell people what I am doing, you will cause thousands of souls to go to hell. Mm -hmm. He took the ministry and he twisted the ministry for his mm -hmm. be careful. Never. To twist people. To get them to do what we want them to do. Peter tried to do that a little bit with Jesus. We're going to find out about that in just a little bit. He, 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 oh, yeah, okay, alright, cool. Let's see what goes on. All right, so, uh, but Jesus, before, before we go to the next passage, we see in this passage here that Peter, that Jesus prays for Peter. He says to him, I have prayed for you. Satan is sifting you, but I am praying for you. You know, I'd rather have Jesus praying for me than anybody else. Amen. 
I'd rather have Jesus praying for me than Hudson Taylor praying for me. I'd rather have Jesus praying for me than George Mueller praying for me. Guess what? He does. He does. Turn with me to Romans 8, 34. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Romans 8, 34. Romans 8, 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but evermore has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. The word intercedes means praise. He prays. He prays for me. He intercedes for us. Turn with me back to uh, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. These are all familiar passages. John chapter 17 and verse 8. Uh, we'll pick up with verse 7. John 17, 7. Now they knew that everything that you have given me is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They that believe that sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. He's saying, I'm praying for those who will believe. That is you. That is me. He is praying for us. So the picture is Satan is trying to sift Peter like wheat. Those of you that have ever had that process or know what that process is like, of trying to take, they had these little those little things with like a screen in it, and you take them, and you put the wheat in it, and there's some, some other stuff that not undesirable stuff, and you and you and you shift it, and you've got that, and you, you the, the the bad stuff falls. I think the bad stuff stays on top, yeah. and the other stuff falls on the bottom. I, I actually did it once. Uh, we were given some wheat that was not thoroughly sifted, and so we had to sift it a little bit ourselves. Yeah. It's a it's a a process by which the drought, by which the the dross, by which the impurities, the stuff that we don't want in our bread. And we're we're privileged to live in America. We never have bread with 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 little mm -hmm. grains of dirt in them. But I've eaten little bread bread with grains. In fact, I remember I think about a, a, a kasha that we had in Russia. And I remember my mother was there. We were in this little village and we were in Russia and we'd had this porridge and we we're eating this porridge and I'm chopping away. It tastes really good. And I look over at my mother and my mother is like, oh, like, I said, Mom, what's the matter? She said, there's dirt in this. I was like, oh, yeah. I said, how do you know this? She said, that's because you put sugar in it. You, put sugar in it. It, you didn't taste the graininess of it. I said, well, put some sugar in it. That'll fix it. But, but, but how impure that is, of course, for us. But Jesus prayed for Peter. He says, Peter, I'm going to pray for you. What's he going to pray? Let's go back to Luke 22. Let's go back and see. What does he want to pray? He says, I'm praying for you. It says, verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So I'm not looking at where you are at now. I'm looking at where you're going to be. Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't look at us the way we are now. 
in the midst of the battle? Does anyone ever look pretty in the midst of a battle? No, they look ugly. You ever watch the movies of the guys in battle? I don't care if it was a Roman soldier or if it was, you know, modern day, the men are sweating. The men don't look good. Their hair is all clumped all over the place. So they have a helmet on and they're, they look like they haven't showered in a couple of weeks. Their wives love them at that point. What do you think she'll do? And when they come home, they want to be clean and, and look presentable. What? One day, the battle is over. And we're going to be presented before the king of kings in his glory. And we're not going to look like we look now. But it's not going to be Then we see his Satan's plan to sift him. But what is God's plan for us? John 10 10. The thief, you know this verse, a thief comes only. To steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. God's plan versus Satan's plan. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to steal your love for him. He wants to steal your passion for him. He wants to steal everything that God has given to you. He wants to take it away so that you can be ineffective for him. That's what Satan's plan is for your life. What is God's I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Now, I'm not speaking of the wealth and prosperity gospel. I'm not speaking of that. I'm speaking of the spiritual walk with Christ. That you might have life in him. My favorite verse is on... The front of my Bible, it's beginning to fade. But it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Thou hast shown me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forever. Do you know a Christian who is sad, who is depressed, who is wounded, that is not God's plan for you to save us? Yes, there are times. Oh, I've been there. There are times, but it is not God's design and plan for you to stay there. Because why? You are in the circumstances of the world, but when you come before God's presence, then he begins to put life back into you. And that's God's plan for your life. We know the story of Job. Job chapter 1. Let's go ahead and flip there quickly. Exercising your fingers this morning. I've got a head start because so I put some some markers in mine. But Psalm, yeah, <laughs> it's called being prepared. <laughs> Job chapter one, Job chapter one, ten and twelve, and you're going to flip over to the end of Job two quickly. Uh, we'll start with verse nine. Satan answered the Lord, "Does Job fear God for nothing? Having you placed a hedge around him?" His household and everything he owns, you have blessed the work of his hand. His possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Job's plan was to take everything of Job. But we know the end. Look over to the end of the book of Job. Job chapter 42. We know the end of the story. 
how that God gave him back everything with interest. Man, I'll tell you, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel would love this passage, wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he might take it away, but he's going to give it back to you. <clears throat> it's true, but not here on earth. <laughs> it may not happen here on earth. You may be despised, you may be rejected, you may be put to death. Because that's exactly what happened to Jesus. But guess what? He's coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's coming back. Man, it makes me excited. Job, Job 42, 12 and 13. 12 and 13. So the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. He owed 14,000 sheep and goats and 6,000 camels, camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters, and so on. And we won't, we won't read any more of that. Go back, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke. Back to our main passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. We see that Satan's plan was to destroy. God's plan was to give life. He wanted to give life. The next thing that we're going to look at is uh, verse 54. Luke 22, 54. We see here, this is a very interesting passage of scripture, starting with verse 54. You'll remember it's, it's, it's going now, and uh, they're coming close to um, the time when Judas is coming to. You know, we're skipping a few parts because I really want to focus on Peter. Okay, so I'm sorry. No, we'll go to 45. We'll go to 45. And when he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. How many of us have fallen asleep when we should have been awake? Mm. How many of us have fallen asleep when we should have been awake? Awake to do what? Well, to be sober, be vigilant, maybe watch, maybe to pray, maybe to intercede. I'm guilty of that. There are times that I should have been awake that I wasn't. There are times I should have been praying and I wasn't. See, Peter and I, we have a lot in common. I fall asleep sometimes. Get up and pray so that you won't fall in the station. Do you want to know the antidote for temptation? It's called prayer. Jesus demonstrated this for us beautifully. It's also rebuking the devil. You remember the passage, James chapter 4, that says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Prayer keeps us from temptation. There are times that I'm tempted, uh, especially with this little device called a cell phone, uh, especially when I'm trying to look on Fox News or News, where there will be a, a picture that will pop up. And I'm not looking for that, but it comes up. It happens. Facebook happens. You know, it's it's okay to tell Satan, no, you cannot have that thought. I'm not going to look at that. No, you can't. How dare you? In fact, I, when I get mad at Satan, I find he runs. And the temptation leaves. And when I quote scripture, like it says Jesus did in Matthew 4, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then you quote the scripture that goes along with that. That is the antidote to sin. That is the antidote to temptation. 
And then we see where we move on in our passage here, uh, picking up in uh, verse 47. While he was still speaking, suddenly a mob came, and one of the twelve, named Judas, leaned up, was leading them. He came near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betrayed the son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw what he was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with a sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. But Jesus responded, no more, no more of this. And touching his ear, ear he healed them. If you look to the Gospel of John, we're going to look at John 18. Uh, verses four through six. Now, we know from other passages that this was Peter, right? That Peter was the one who came and smote off the high priest's ear. But do you see what this passage says that we just looked at in Luke chapter 22? It says that someone said, should we strike with the sword? <clears throat> so you had one disciple, maybe Philip, I'm not sure who, I'm not sure who that was, but someone else had a sword. It wasn't just Peter. And he had it out. And he said, right now? You want us to fight now? We're ready. Come on. Sometimes we're a little too anxious to fight. Right? <laughs> Peter, I'm going to help Jesus out. No, this is definitely the time to fight. <laughs> now, John chapter 18. Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus need Peter's help? No. No. Not at all. Jesus could handle his own self. John 18, verse 4. Jesus, knowing everything was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Have you ever played a video game? Or this guy has a what's called a power punch, where he takes his fist and he punches the ground. And when he punches the ground, everyone flies back. That's what I envision happening here. We know this happened at this right around that same time that the soldier lopped off the guy's ear. So when did that happen? I'm gonna make a guess, educated guess. I might be wrong, but I'm gonna guess that. Jesus just said this. They went flying back. One of the disciples, whoever it was, said, now do we strike with the sword? I mean, they're all down on the ground. This is a great opportunity, great advantage. Peter doesn't wait. He rushes in and lops off the guy's ear. And Jesus says what to him? Go back to Luke 22. Jesus says to him, put up your sword. He gets angry with them. Luke 22. He says, no more of this, verse 51. And touching his ear, he healed him. Wow. Can you imagine someone coming to arrest you? And you healing them? Are you helping them? Can you imagine that? You see, Jesus put into practice Matthew 5, 44. Love your enemies. Even to the point of killing a soldier who had come to arrest him. So that's how we're supposed to treat our enemies. How we're trying to treat those that hurt us. 
bless them. That first you do good to them, that you pray for them, that despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus did. He set the example for Peter. Peter cuts off his ear. Moving forward in our in our in our story here. Moving forward, we're going to take a look at the final section, Luke 22, 54. We're skipping ahead here, Luke 22, 54. And they seized him and led him away, that is Jesus, and brought him to a high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light, they looked closely at him. He said, this man was with him too, but he denied him. <clears throat> Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them too. And I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting this man was certainly with him, since he also was a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept. <clears throat> this is what Peter is known for in the Bible. He's known for denying the ever new Jesus. I shared my life story with you in every instance. You'd wonder what I was doing up here. <laughs> but guess what? The same is true with you. <laughs> but see, that's not the end. We have a wonderful brother who comes to our church and he speaks every once in a while. And he was, he's a very eloquent, very passionate speaker. And I love him, dear brother in law. But when he was a young man, he was a thief. He was a robber. He was in prison. He tells the story of, of how they physically beat him and abused him. And you say, how in the world did he go from that to where he is today? It's because of Christ mm -hmm. living in him, the hope and That is exactly what God does in our lives and did in Peter's He took him from denying Christ three times to being an instigator of Pentecost for over 3,000 people who trusted Christ. So that's what God is in the business of doing. He's in the business of healing wounded warriors. <laughs> Helping them to be in a place that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. That is who my God is. The look of Jesus. We read that passage somewhere. Yes. Have you ever looked at your child? So look of Peter, how dare you? I don't think so. I don't think that's what's it was a look of love. It was a love of care. I think Jesus had a tear rolling down his cheek when he looked at me. 
knew that what he was going through was tough. Says he went out and he wept bitterly. It's not a bad thing for us to leave him. It's not a bad thing for us to go and shut the door and get on our knees and cry. It's not a weak thing. Back I say that's a very strong thing. It is. Because you're realizing I can't. The complete opposite of the very first point. Once we think we can, we can't. Turn with me to a beautiful passage of scripture in Jude. Jude chapter 1. We know this passage well. Jude chapter 1. Is like actually, you could just say Jude. You don't even have to say chapter 1. You can have chapter Jude. Someone says Jude chapter 2. Look out. <laughs> Now, unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blameless, without blemish, and with great joy. That's where we want to be. We want to be before God's presence. It's joy. We want Jesus to say, This is my brother. Yeah, he's made some mistakes. But guess what? Yes, he's sinned. Yes, he's failed. But guess what? Christ living in him. Because of what I did on the cross, Father. I can present him with joy. Joy. You ever have a situation in which you got to present somebody with joy? A young man who said, just like last week, who said, Mr. Jason, would you write a letter of endorsement for me? I was able to write a letter of endorsement for this young man. what God wants to do in your life. If you be sometimes be beaten, you feel that we're crushed, you feel that we're beaten through, feel that we're through, but it says to him, that is God, to Jesus, who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without lunch. And with great joy. That's where Peter is today. He's in glory. He's before the throne of God. We sang about that this morning. Coming before his throne, with worshipers, with you in heaven, before his throne, all of us, every single believer in Christ. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day. What a glorious day. Maybe you're here today and you feel like Peter. Maybe you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. But you feel beaten by the circumstances of life. Remember, we know the end. Maybe you're here today 
And you say, well, that's really not me. Just wait. <laughs> It'll happen. You'll get there. <laughs> but the admonition for those that aren't there is to encourage the ones that are there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. My God, your fire. There's a song that I wrote down in preparation for this morning's message. And I thought I'd read it to you. Uh, the art author is, uh, I think, David Bear. I wrote it down here somewhere. It's entitled, Lift Up Your Head, Wounded Soldier. For the Lord still goes before. Though the battle may be lost and you're shattered by the cost, in the end, you will win the war. Lift up your head, wounded warrior. Take up your shield and take up your sword. Though the standard may be down, we can move to higher ground. For the victory is the Lord's. Let's not forget how the story ended for Peter. Mm -hmm. He wrote part of the New Testament. Three thousand people saved in one day. Now think about this. There's at least three sets of three that I can think of with Peter. He denied Christ three times. We don't have time to go into it, but three times Jesus asked him, Do you love me? And he saw three thousand people come to know Christ in one day and was a very instrumental part of the early church. He walked on water. One of the only people besides Jesus who walked on water. See what God can do. See what God can do. Lift up your head. For the Lord still goes. Though the battle may be lost, we can move to higher. Though you're shattered by the cross. In the end, we will win the war. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just reminded of this verse that says, in this song, it says, who are we as joint heirs of your kingdom that we should look on those who are, are wounded right now and we should not reach out to them, we should not minister to them. Father, in your word, it says, bear one another's burdens. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to do that. That we would enter into intercession with our brothers and our sisters in Christ who are going through unimaginable things, who are being rejected by their family, who are, who are going through loss, who are going through persecution, who are going through loss of all these things. Lord, as we look around, I can't help but to think of what Corey said, Corey Ten Boom. We look around and we're perplexed. We look within, we are depressed. But when we look up, we're depressed. God, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the maker of heaven. Lord, help us to look to you. Help us to cling to you. Remembering the end. 
you will come back. You will return home and call us to be with you. Until then, help us to be faithful. Amen. Help us to be loving <clears throat> to the calling that you have called us to. Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name. Amen.